This is the Falcon Twin Podcast from falcontwin.com. I'm Brendan, and this is commentary for pages 195 to 209. Just a reminder, in case any of you haven't already listened to my interview with the Broodlost Brothers, parts 2 and 3 are up now at alpha-shade.com, so go listen to them, because they're lots of fun. Moving along, page 195, back up on the way. So Tresca's getting ready for bed, and Evan has a room that's next to hers, so they both have windows that face out upon the street, which is why he saw this little commotion that's going on here. And an interesting thing with Tresca having the strap off of her shoulder is everyone seemed to be almost as excited by that as having both Tresca and Mika completely naked at the beginning of Chapter 4, which I guess taught me a little bit of a lesson about how much you need to actually show to get people horny. Anyway, Tresca runs over to the window and sees what's going on with all the people outside. There's the tree, again, that I mentioned at the opening page of Near Candela, and also the one that was behind Mika when she was in the restaurant. And Tresca doesn't see Mika in the crowd, presumably, which is why she concludes that Mika's somehow involved in this trouble that's going on. Page 196, having fun. So here's Sydney and Mika fighting some more, fighting, fighting. And Mika is really enjoying herself, which is what you see in the second-to-last panel where she's smiling. And this is that sort of experience which hopefully you'll have had, where you're doing something sort of subconsciously and you're doing a really great job of it. And at some point in the middle of it, you realize how well you're actually doing without even really trying. And it strikes you as kind of funny. And at least I know that that's happened to me a few times when I've been typing really fast. Maybe if you play a musical instrument, you know the same feeling where you realize that you're really just going to town and you're not even really trying all that hard. And it's, it's a really great feeling. So that's why Mika's so happy here is that she's doing so well in this fight against Sydney. Sydney, on the other hand, is really kind of pissed off about that because she expected it to be a fairly short fight and is now having to deal with this. Page 197, Hot Pursuit. So just getting Evan and Tresca over to the door so that Mika can do her thing. Only thing really to take note of here is the waitress girl that Tresca's talking to, who is the same waitress as was in the restaurant when Sydney walked in. She mentions that some weird-looking girl got into a fight with Durad, just hammering home that point that everyone thinks that Mika looks weird. And so, of course, Evan and Tresca don't have any difficulty understanding from that that it was Mika that she was talking about on the page 198. Where'd you get those eyes? So this is a little bit of a pause in the fight, and even though it looks like it's a fairly long pause in the strip, it's actually probably only a second or two, where Mika closes her eyes for just a split second, and Sydney doesn't really understand what this serene look is all about. And then when Mika reopens her eyes, you can see that there's something entirely different now, which Sydney hasn't seen before, and no one around has really seen before, which is kind of significant. And the idea for the effect on Mika's eyes was supposed to be sunlight reflecting off of water. If you've ever been out on a really sunny day and the way that sunlight sort of results in a shower of bright sparkles on the water, that was kind of the idea. Which was sort of difficult to communicate. People read it as all sorts of different things. Somebody said it looked like a clock in her eyes where I don't know where that came from. And, and all sorts of strange stuff. But anyway, no, that was the, the idea. And I tried to find some reference for that, the sparkles on the water thing. And it was surprisingly difficult to find. And I didn't really feel like driving down to the bay to do it, because that's a 30-45 minute drive just to get down there, take a picture, and then drive all the way back. So I sort of did it by hand with a little bit of help from Google Images. So at any rate, Sydney, being confused by whatever this is, renews her attack, and Mika sort of happily holds out her hand. Page 199. Now this is sort of a strange behavior on the part of the guys. One, it's just a little bit of a comic relief, because these guys are idiots. But also, I needed to have the doors closed so that Evan and Tresca couldn't jump right in in the middle of the fight. And also needed to have the doors closed so that Mika could throw Sydney through them. 
And so this is the buildup that I mentioned in the Mummy Returns soundtrack, My First Bus Ride, where the two scenes are kind of converging, and there's the big buildup, and finally page 200, crack, coom, to the moon! This was sort of an interesting effect to try to do. If you look closely, you can see the shards of Mika's glove having been blasted off in the first panel as she's firing this thing. It's supposed to sort of look like, almost kind of like ripples in the water, except that they're in air. And the crack coom sound is a result of a vacuum being created, and then the air sort of collapsing back into that, kind of like a thunderclap or something. So she smacks Sydney. Someone was complaining about the sound that Sydney makes in the first panel, and I don't know who that was, but they can go straight to hell. Anyway, Sydney hits the door and goes flying straight through it, which knocks the two guys to the side. You can see them in panel three, which is kind of funny. Sydney goes straight between Evan and Tresca, lands on her back, and then does a flip from the momentum and lands on her face. And this was page 200. Page 201, progressive attack. Now you can see a huge shift in the styles here because I had been complaining for a while about the look of Falcon Twin because I wasn't too thrilled with the way that it looked and I was definitely not too thrilled with the amount of time that it was taken, which was not much less than it takes right now, but it was still longer than I would have liked. And so I was determined to try some different stuff and I really like the work that I see people doing with Corel Painter. And so I was hoping to be able to use some of that. And I think I mentioned that the opening page of chapter four, I had used Painter for the portrait of Mika and Tresca sort of cuddling. And so I wanted to go back to that and bring that shading style back. But it turned out to be a lot more difficult when you've got a lot of different materials going on. When you've just got skin and hair and not much else, it's a lot easier because Corel's tools are not so great. This ended up taking about as long and not really looking all that good. And the backgrounds I did in Photoshop, I didn't do those in Painter. Page 202, today's experiment failed. This was another one that I tried to do with Painter. And as I mentioned and explained in the comments below the strip, I really actually, I had done a better looking page than the one before it. But right as I had finished it and went to save, I hit Control S and the entire program just vanished. And so I went and looked in the task manager and sure enough, the program was gone. And then I found the PSD that I had been working on and I opened it up in Photoshop and found it was just full of noise. It was just junk. And it was totally unrecoverable. And so all I had left was this flat shaded version of the characters. So I went in and threw a background in Photoshop in frustration and just uploaded it as is because I didn't feel like spending hours and hours more fixing it. But I was really pissed off about that. And that was kind of the end of my experimenting with different styles because people were bitching about it and I was not really very happy working with Painter, which was unfortunate because like I said, I really see a lot of incredible stuff coming out of the program but the tools in it are very poor, especially the editing tools like the selections and stuff. And the workflow is not very good for me. And they make it just different enough from Photoshop to be aggravating. And finally, there's the deal breaker of the fact that it crashes and loses all my work unexpectedly. On, I think, the third or fourth time I'd ever used the program for anything, as opposed to Photoshop, which I've been using for, what, over 200 pages now, and actually over 250 probably and it hasn't crashed in lost data once, knock on wood. So until Painter gets that whole thing sealed up and can guarantee me stability of not actually crashing and losing all my hours of work, then I'm not really interested in using it, which is, like I said, kind of unfortunate. I forgot to mention on the previous page because I was so busy talking about the style that Evan screams, holy shit, which kind of explains that he knows who Sydney is and also that she's really important because a guy like Evan doesn't really swear unless he has a good reason for it. And so Mika comes whipping through the two of them.
back to page 202 now. So they continue fighting a little bit more. And Evan and Tresca marvel at this because Mika's fighting way better than they really expected. And Mika's starting to get the upper hand, but someone calls out. And the final line, I'll be seeing you again, is a reference to the mummy where Emotep has taken Evie away. And Rick sort of tilts his torch at Emotep and says, I'll be seeing you again. Emotep smiles, turns, and walks away. And so that's what this is a reference to. Moving on to page 203, Getaway Klampa. Now the Klampa was something that I added because I needed a creature for this person to be riding when he picked up Sydney. It needed to be something that was going to move faster than a person could run so Mika couldn't just chase after him. And I didn't want to do a horse because frankly I think horses are kind of dumb and I wanted to do something different. So I came up with this reptilian thing and it was one of the times that I really actually pulled off what I was intending to do because especially in the first panel I was really going for this look on its face like a dog has when it's running where it's just smiling and happy and just absolutely thrilled to be alive and I, I think I pulled it off with the look on its face and people seem to be pretty charmed by the Klampa. I was even unexpectedly charmed by the Klampa so Klampas have made lots of reappearances in Falcon Twin, especially in establishing shots. So if you look at the opening shot of Chapter 5, if you look at the opening shot of Near Mara, and then also in Near Tendra, you can see Klampas. And there's another one coming up before too long also. And I don't know if the Klampa is the real name of the creature, but everyone started calling it a Klampa, so I'm calling it a Klampa too. So anyways, this guy grabs Sydney, pulls her up onto the Klampa, and off they go while Mika looks astonished and angry kind of as Sydney rides off looking astonished and angry back at Mika. Page 204, now that the coast is clear and they're not going to get hacked to pieces, Evan and Tresca run up to see what's going on with Mika. And Tresca is just as amazed by Mika's eyes as Sydney was, but sure enough, Mika's back to normal in just a split second. And Tresca asks Mika what's going on and why she was able to fight so well, and Mika says she doesn't know because she hadn't really been thinking about it. People thought that Mika just totally lost her memory, had amnesia or something about it. But that wasn't the case at all. She just was sort of baffled herself by her own performance, and that's why she's having difficulty explaining it. And finally, 203 pages after she made her first appearance, Sydney Reed has a name. And Reed is a name that I picked because it's British, and I figured that Sydney would be British if she were a real person. So Tresca expresses amazement at that. Page 205. Man, I don't know what the fuck you just said, little kid. But you're special. You reach out, touch your brother's heart. I'm going to give you some directions. <laughs> yeah, so that's a great movie reference and also topical because it ties into Mika's conversation in the first panel where she's trying to explain what happened to Evan, but Evan really can't understand what the hell she's talking about. The problem is that Mika's not really explaining very much of anything because unless you were there seeing what had happened when Sydney walked in and got into the fight with Annika, you wouldn't really understand what Mika's talking about. At any rate, she's busy explaining what was going on and mentions Annika and remembers her, actually kind of not unlike the way she mentioned Yumiko and then remembered her much earlier on, although there's no particular connection. It's just a trait of Mika, I guess, that she doesn't remember people until she talks about them. So she remembers Annika, runs in to see what happened to her, while Evan and Tresca look disgusted at the two guys that Annika burnt to a crisp. And in the final panel here, Mika's trying to wake up Annika, and if you look closely, just at the edge of Mika's left hand, on the final panel, you can see the blood from this blast that she's done. Page 206, boo! So I didn't do a Halloween thing for 2003. I kind of wanted to, but I just got lazy and procrastinated and didn't do it. So this time I actually did do a Halloween thing, and they're dressed up as game characters, for those of you who didn't know. Mika is dressed up as Etna from Disgaea, who's a really cool character. 
I think it's Disgaea. D-I-S-G-A-E-A. At any rate, you can find them on Google Images. Really cool character. And Tresca is, of course, dressed up as Yuffie from Final Fantasy VII, an even cooler character. And Mika mentions that she's going to buy the costumes next year, which ties into what she says next year in the Halloween thing. But I'll talk about that when I get there. Page 206. So Mika is waking up Annika, and Annika wakes up and expresses amazement that Mika's alive. Annika has a knack for pushing Mika's buttons, which she does here. And as Mika pulls her hand back in irritation, she sees this bloody handprint that she's left on Annika's shoulder. It's not something that really hurt a lot. It probably stings. But because she was so excited, she wasn't really thinking about it. And so Annika grabs Mika's hand to heal her, which, one, establishes that Annika can heal people, and two, sets the stage for a nice little bit of exposition in the final panel, which Tresca pretty much misinterprets on page 207, thinking that Annika just meant that Mika looked strange and wasn't from around here. But Annika's really talking about something different entirely, which has also been hinted at later on in the strips as well. Mostly by Annika. So Evan's kind of pissed off about what happened to these guys, even though they were Durad. He's you know, not a big fan of killing people, regardless. And so there's a little bit of conversation to establish that Sydney's even more deadly than you thought because you know you can't use magic on her and she's super dangerous and even the church has standing orders not to interfere with her and that applies to her specifically not to all Durad or all Durad officers or anything like that it's specific to Sydney they have orders to never ever ever deal with her at all if they see her just basically run away which is trying to further hammer home the point about how dangerous Sydney really is and I, I don't know I keep doing that and I don't think people fully understand it but I guess they will sooner or later page 208, and so here's Annika pressing Mika's buttons again by expressing her surprise that Mika's still alive, and it kind of grates on Mika, and she does this from time to time. Evan tries to give Annika a little bit of a lecture, but she's really having none of that because she's looking and she's liking. She sees Evan, she knows when she sees something she likes, and in the third panel here you can see that she's got the sort of manga blush, which is just scratchy lines across her cheeks. I don't know why I did that. I mean, if I were doing it now, I'd have just put a, uh, you know, a red tint on her cheeks, but for some reason I didn't do that. I also put the heart in her dialogue bubble, which is kind of dumb, but it doesn't bother me as much as some of the other ones. So Annika's way ahead of Evan, and she's already making plans for what they're going to be doing together. Page 209. So Annika's already starting in with the innuendos. And again, she's several steps ahead of Evan, so off they go. And Tresca and Mika are already on to what she's up to, but Evan is going to be on to it before too long. Last panel, Mika expresses disbelief that Annika's actually going to be going with them because she's already not too fond of Annika. And this is sort of a little comedic thing, which is probably going to be a lot less funny after I explain it, which is that, you know, you have a person saying one thing and then you immediately cut to exactly the opposite happening, which is what's going to happen in the next few pages, which I will talk about in the next podcast where Annika's hanging out with them. Anyways, that's it for this time. If you have questions, feel free to email me at bman at falcontwin.com or leave a message in the forums. And don't forget to listen to my interview on Alpha Rant at alpha-shade.com. So there.